Job chapter 23, verse number 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Verse 9. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, but I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now just go to verse 1 of the next chapter. Knowing all that I read to you, knowing all that's been proclaimed, Job will ask, 24 verse 1, Why? Seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? Say his days. Come on, say that one more time. His days. I want to tell you today, my praise is in this room. And his days demand my praise. The Lord spoke to me Monday and told me this. Here is the response of the church. What response? What, what are we talking about? I'm thinking quarantine. I'm thinking, what, what, what are we talking about? We've already done that, Lord. Here's Monday. Here's the Lord's word Monday. You're going to pray on Friday. But on Sunday, the response to the world. Here is the response of the church. We did our prayer. Now we're going to do our praise. you ought to lift up your hands and voices if you're at home you ought to be praising God it's the operation of the body of Jesus Christ in the world we've got the answer to it Jesus is the answer amen everybody said in Jesus name I thank you you may be seated and at home, we want to tell you we love you. Thank you for participating. <clears throat> In almost every portion of the scripture, we are bound to the surrounding narrative. Most things just don't make sense if the greater picture cannot be seen. So in order to read with understanding, to have comprehension of the Bible's historical accounts or moments, there is a need for context. In fact, I submit that while there are some standalone proverbs and a few insightful parables for instruction, 
The greater majority of the Bible's 31,102 verses demand context. All of the Gospels, the prophets, the historical accounts of Israel, of Abraham, Noah, as far back as we can reach are in the market for the scene and setting in which they were written. If you take just the normal conversation out of context, the words could be hurtful or lacking. Vain philosophies have come from absence of the broader view of the Bible. So many people have been misled by false assumptions simply because what came before and what came after was absent or missing. In fact, the downfall of so many occurs when the contextual demand is dismissed in order to draw some philosophical point. Divisions form. False doctrines are birthed from a lack of context. Hear this now. Misnomers about God. Holiness. What he loves. What he requires. Guidance on Christian living and conduct. Even doctrinal decrees of salvation are distorted when those attending verses are out of their proper place. I wonder. I wonder how many... Bible statements, even lessons have been taught based on a faulty premise simply because the human idea did not match the biblical background. We need to know the before. We need to know the after. It's important to grasp the time and place in which the word was spoken and written. It's critical when the deeds are done and to whom it occurred, to whom it concerns who it was about, but there are some scriptures that stand indifferent to their surroundings. There are some that when we arrive, when we see them and read them, there is an independence that erupts. They leap from the holy writ as if nothing surrounds them. I'll offer one of them to you today. Psalm 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be out of my mouth. It's coming in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. <laughs> Consider those words carefully because the framing, ladies and gentlemen, is not important. We know when David wrote it, but to us and to those who would read it even a few years afterwards, the timing of his words are not important. Here's the reason. The answer is in the verse. The verse outlines the reason that the context in this particular moment is not to be considered. I will bless the Lord at all times, all times, continually, all the time, continually. They both banish the need for the before and the after. They chase away the prerequisites. They make a demand resting on nothing. I believe we've got to have it in this hour. This is the response of the body of Jesus Christ. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
the meaning of the word is not cloaked in some hidden message or cornered in some far off dispensation it's a declaration of intent that leads to an action anytime any place wherever you are if you are at home if you are driving if you are in the church building wherever you go whatever state you are in whatever situation you find yourself whatever day that you are living in I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth uh, oh I'm hesitant here I'm a little not much but I'm a little hesitant I'm a little reluctant to travel down this road with some of you lest you deem this too trivial or elementary the depth here is life-changing because I believe that you you ultimately emulate the thing that you praise you take on the attributes of the object that you worship so before you think this is elementary or some trivial moment hear me what you give thanks to what you praise for what you worship is what you cherish the most and you will eventually become like the thing that you adore even still I'm a little hesitant because I've heard too many replies in rebuttal that either it's impossible to always be praising or they just have their moments from now now and then all I know is that you cannot be praising and complaining at the same time a fountain will taste sweet or bitter but it will not taste both at the same time let me just get to this you got to say I will I will I will uh-huh the Holy Ghost has prodded me to call you to your God-appointed position. And in doing so, the Lord spoke to me and put this word in my mouth and in my mind. When my people do what I design them to do, they will be established. That work of the church and the operation of the church to pray and to praise. God spoke to Isaiah concerning creation. And speaking of what God called a new thing he was about to do. And to that end, God described his chosen people he said and I quote this people have I formed for myself here's the here's the connection that they shall show forth my praise it means I created them for a specific purpose in the day of the new thing the body is going to start praising I created them that's their God appointed position the purpose for the people is praise uh. I know this might be a hard saying for those of you who have experienced pain and suffering. I pray for those who are suffering today. There is no lack of sympathy or prayer or concern in my heart or in my mind. I know that things are not always right with everybody. I understand the, the low lows. I have experienced with you loss. I get it. But I rise to say, I have something that I need to do today. I say today, and I want to relay the word of the Lord today praise and thanksgiving have no context it doesn't matter what came before it doesn't matter what's going to come tomorrow it doesn't need a context the Bible and all of its expressions and all of its directives and commands never promotes a time when we are not to praise or a time when we are not given to praise nor has the Bible ever supported the idea of waiting until the last Thursday in November to be thankful 
in God's book, Thanksgiving is not a holiday. It's a way of life. And if you're waiting for a blessing to start praising, then you've missed the entire part. You don't have to wait to be blessed, and you don't have to wait to be... To, you don't have to wait for things to get good. All times, continually. <laughs> These are his days. And his days demand my praise. His days. Don't you know that these days are his days? Job wrote it. He said, don't you know, after all that you've been through, all the days belong to the Lord. These are his days. Hear me. If you'll get into all times and get into continually, it will get you out of inconsistency and depressive living. And for those who are still confused about the will of God for your life, Paul put it this way, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I don't need to know what came before it. I'm not concerned about what will come after it. Who knows? I'm in here. I'm right here. It's right now. My praise and my thanksgiving are not contingent on my season. I have to actually forget about the context, the details that surround me. And I must lift up my voice and give him praise. Are you with me today? Are you with me at home today? You know, the dynamics of this is really kind of messing me up. I just got used to no one being here. And I would just look straight ahead. Now I know there's a lot more there than here, but I don't want to ignore you when I want to talk to them. I don't know where you are. Just wave your hand at your, at your monitor or your TV or your computer or your phone. Just say, I'm with you. Say, my praise, my thanksgiving cannot be contingent on my current circumstances. They must not be open or closed whether or not I feel good or the season is right or the world is good. And I'm sorry, I'm going to keep my composure. I've lost it a couple times because I'm feeling a little lost today because our most beloved and honored elder has gone on to be with the Lord. But I'm walking through this house remembering what he would do. I'm going to give God praise and I'm going to give God thanks at all times and continually and in everything and in everything and in everything. Give thanks in everything. This is the will of God. ought to add it to your vocabulary and pardon me for saying it but when I think about his his love when I think about the Lord what he has given to us the truth think about this we know the name of Jesus and not only that but we are people of the name when 
not waiting for the first coming. We're waiting for the second coming. When I think about the millions of people who have never heard of him, never felt his love, have no means of finding him on their own. Pardon me for saying it, but I think about how much stuff we have and how little we need it and how much we assume and consume. I'm weary with people who complain and whine. You've got a reason to rejoice and to praise and to clap and to dance and to sing and to shout. You ought to make up your mind that if it all goes down, I'm going to keep praising. If it all falls apart, I'm going to keep giving thanks. If you have more reason to mumble and grumble and less reason to dance and shout, then you didn't get it. Hear me today. Praise is coming for the upright. walking out of my days of quarantine I'm not walking into days of civil unrest just to bury my head and be sad and mad but I've come into the house today with joy and thanksgiving I know these are his days they demand my praise I feel it here a little bit. You ought to be praising and clapping because the Lord is good and the Lord is in his day. Thank you. You may be seated. When you get down, start clapping again. Just a little thought for you. God was no less good when he took away than when he first gave. He was no less good when he wiped you out than when he had first added to you. Same God, same goodness. He's good because he is. <laughs> my, my job is not to determine the context of my offering of praise and thanks. My focus is to make a declaration that whether day or night, he's worthy. Whether high or low, he's worthy. Whether good or bad, he's worthy. And I say, if, if woe to all of us, if we buy into the notion or believe the propaganda that God has somehow lost the reins of power or he's abandoned his post when things are not well with us or they are not as we think we ought to be, I tell you on the contrary. Just because Jesus is in your boat does not mean there won't be a storm on your sea. Here's the word of the apostle to the church in Rome. He wrote, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. Live or die. It's not the living or the dying that 
makes the difference. It's whether we are the Lord that matters. Can I say this again? Some things, perhaps just a few things, need no context. Some things, even if they are but a handful, are founded by the conscious effort of the individual who decides. To give praise and thanksgiving is not waiting on a time or a season or some favorable outcome. David wrote about his choice. He said, I will. It's what I found out. We all decide our will. There are decisions we make irrespective of world crisis, of economic conflict, of illnesses, of family trouble, of lack of resources, of hardship, and all manner of trouble and heartache. You have the ability to decide. You are a free moral agent. God created you that way. You hold the choice in your hand. David said, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will. I will sing praises to thy name, O thou most high. Let me read again. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to thy name, O thou most high. I will praise, I will rejoice, I will show marvelous works, I will sing. David once wrote, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hear me, it's all a choice. You decide. Gladness and joy are a choice. Nobody is going to make me glad but me. I will be glad. You've got to say it. I will be glad. Conditions and circumstances will not dictate the time I have to worship. I will rejoice. He said I was glad. He was setting up his own disposition. It's my choice what kind of attitude I will have. I am glad. I was glad. I will be glad. Let's give me a moment here. I like how the King James English presents Paul's answer to Agrippa. Paul is making a case. The king says, Paul, I'll let you speak for yourself. And Paul, here it is, Paul answered for himself. And he said in the opening line of verse 2, Acts 26, I think myself happy. <laughs> How many times have I looked at difficult situations, bewildered and burdened? I can't count the number of times I've climbed onto this very platform only to face a spirit of doubt divisiveness some other problem I could not solve or resolve and I had to say to myself I think myself happy I will be glad I am glad I will rejoice I am rejoicing I will do what God designed me to do and give him the praise do his name I will offer Thanksgiving because that is the will of God for my life I have said those words to myself more times than I can count I will I will I will please stop asking someone to make up your mind if they do it for you, it won't last. Please stop waiting for what you call the right time. All the time is the right time. You decide. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to decide. You've got to make up your mind. I will. Say it out of your mouth. I will. Our praise, our thanksgiving, they have no season. They need no appointment. I've come here to praise, regardless of what's happened yesterday or what I'm going to face tomorrow. Just say, I was glad when they said, it's time to go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. Now, I'll, I'll be as relevant as the Spirit has allowed me to be today, because I know where we are. Uncertainty is rocking our world. 
Unrest, of course, is an understatement. I'm not immune to the climate or the conflicts. But there are some things that are above that I must attend to in my life. They reach beyond the borders of the affairs of men. They stretch beyond the boundaries of my most hopeful expectations. I don't have to ignore what's happening in the world to pray and praise. In fact, what's happening in the world demands the church rise up and be the church. To pray and praise at all times, continually and in everything. And then to announce Psalm 118 and verse 24. This, the days of the Lord's. And David went on to say, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Some folks are struggling with that first line. They're struggling with it. Surely with all the horrible things happening right now, can we still say the first line? This is the day that the Lord hath made. Hear it now. Place aside for a moment the final phrase of that often quoted verse. Don't finish the quote. Let those nine words rest for a moment in your mind and then put aside what the day may bring. This is the day. He made it. These are his days also. His days are not just the ones when you win or you get your healing or your answer comes. His days are also when you are ill, when he is silent and when you are suffering. This is the day that the Lord hath made. No qualifiers attached. No, no preconditions. No stipulations. Whether we are abounding or abased. Whether we are blessed or buffeted. Whether we are full or empty. This is the day that the Lord hath made. The day belongs to him. I feel like I'm driving something. I, I got to keep going further. This is the day that the Lord hath made. It belongs to him. You don't get to touch that line. I'll tell you what line you get. You get the second half. You don't get the first half. You get the second half. I don't care what's happening in the day. I care, but it's not, a, it's not something I can handle. The second half is my half. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's his day. He made it. He knew what he wanted to put in it. He organized it for you in a specific way. He mixed all the ingredients together for our benefit. His day is open. My response is determined. And I rise to awaken us to a reality that whether we are on top or we are on bottom, whether we are basking in the clear or sailing in success, whether we are fumbling, whether we have failure, whether we are blessed, whether we are burdened, this is the day I will rejoice okay just give me a moment thank you <laughs> none of us know what tomorrow holds everyone puts out models today I'm not talking about people wearing clothes modeling a suit or a dress. I'm talking about predictive models. Models of illness. 
models of economies and all other things. Almost all of them have been, been proven to be untrue. Some way off base. But I say to the church, we cannot wait until some normal thing arrives or things settle down or our expectations met. Because what I offer you today, though it is an emotional response, it's really a cognitive, it's a thought, a choice to offer praise and thanksgiving. And it, it's, it's irrespective, it's, it's almost completely ignoring the convenience of the time. But when you put it in the time, it becomes the response that is far different than the world's response. Because in the model, no one ever calculated or put in the equation the praise and the prayer of the church. <laughs> David said, I was glad, which was a conclusion by determination, like a garment of clothing. You can put on whatever kind of spirit you want to wear. Anger, yes, you can wear that. Bitterness, jealousy, you can wear that. Frustration, you can put it on, take it off. And before you cast blame, just know, no one made you that way. I've heard people, grown children, say, my own children say, they make me so angry, they make me angry. Probably not. They poked you, yes, they bothered you, they spoke harshly, but you decide your own disposition, ladies and gentlemen. We're deciding right now what we're going to be. I think this is a great day to decide what the church is going to be, what kind of people we're going to be. I think myself happy. I think myself blessed. The location, oh, the location of my mind is the level of my peace. Isaiah 26 thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee the location of my mind is the level of my peace if your mind says I will I was glad I choose to enter with thanksgiving I choose to be saved yes Jesus saved me yes Jesus saved me yes he will save me in heaven brother Foster he will he saved me and he will save me but the middle part is ours undoubtedly people have blamed others for their backslidden state but I submit today that no one has ever made someone turn their back on God there are no offenses great enough to make you lose your walk with the Lord there are no offenses and there are no accusations great enough there are no lies and there are no hurts to make you quit none of them can make you do something outside of your personal choice so I say stop blaming the devil for a bad spirit and bad attitude every time you blame the devil for your poor disposition you're giving him praise it's a credit to the enemy for something he has no part in every time you move away from the choice and make it a demonic spirit you are saying that you have no control over what you're doing hear the word trouble must not move us away from the truth conflict must not move us away from our conviction disappointment must not move us away from thanksgiving problems must not move away move us away from praise and here's the word in Acts 20 but none of these things 
move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. I'm praying that the church will not get moved away from the truth. I pray that during the time of loss and transitions and economic unrest and civil disputes that none of these things move you. Now, I'm almost done here. I'm just going to consider a couple of verses. Prior to that, Paul wrote, Now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. I don't know the things that's going to befall me there. The Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bonds and affliction. The Holy Ghost has spoken through all kinds of people, saying that trouble. I know the bonds and afflictions are ahead of me. I know that I'm walking into trouble. But none of these things are moving me. I'm not moved. If Paul, if Paul had decided to allow the context of his life to determine his outlook, he would have been a man most miserable. His context should have invoked fear. It would have been many people. His context could have led him into anguish and doubt and some empty posture. His joy would have been swallowed up by the discouragement. But he said I'm not moved I'm not moved you are moved by your own choice you succeed or you fall in this eternal race by choice you've got to rise up in your life and in your day and say I'm going to bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth I got to tell you why I'm glad today. I'm glad because I know that our salvation is closer than it has ever been. I'm glad today because I know that the Lord is coming back sooner than he's ever been. If I were you, I would get my praise on. I'd get my prayer life going. I'd get my dedication going. I would not miss a moment with God. I'm preaching to the Holy Spirit to somebody right now. You have come too far to give up now. Don't you know that the world is going to go down? Don't trust in government. Don't trust in money. Don't trust in ability. Don't trust in talent. The Lord is true. And you've got an opportunity. And I rise to say, I refuse to let my context determine my destiny. I have a few notes. Can I keep going or are we done? It's almost 11 o'clock. We're supposed to get out of here and disinfect everything. Just don't breathe from now until you're gone. Can I preach a little bit now? If we're bound to respond to the Lord in worship based upon our assumption of what the hour should be, then we would be quiet for weeks. If the condition of our day is a prerequisite of our rejoicing, then there may be months when you would never thank the Lord or shout or dance or worship because it's based upon the value or the worth, your perceived value, the worth of the hour. And if that happens, it reveals that you believe he did not make the day. But these days, his days, uh -huh. his days make a demand on the body of Jesus Christ. They demand my praise. If unction has to happen 
And if we are only moved when life is pleasant and the water is cold and the shade is cool. If we're only worshiping when there's more money than month and we have more want than need. I tell you that we will be miserable. We'll be a miserable lot with no depth, no root, no power, and absolutely no authority in the spirit. Because we will be conditional Christians. I say today again, these days and his days demand my praise. Something's going to happen in this house. Something's going to happen in your home. I want us to take this thing that we feel here, and I'm hoping you're feeling it at home. I want us to take this, and I want us to expand it. I want us to address the conditions of our nation and our world through the prism of the goodness of the Lord. When David said, I was glad when they said it to me, he was making a declaration of his disposition and he was leading the people. When he said it, he was referring to a pilgrimage. It could only be one of three pilgrimages. It could either have been Passover, Pentecost, or Sukkot. And historians believe that it wasn't Passover because Passover was the beginning and everybody went to Passover. Historians believe that it wasn't Sukkot because that was in the late fall. He was saying there's a day when it's a little bit more difficult to get to Jerusalem because Pentecost was a mere 50 days after Passover. Man, you just got home and now you got to go back? No, they say when David wrote that psalm and said I was glad when they said it to me let us go to the house of the Lord he was telling everybody I know you just got settled I know you just got back home but everybody come on back come on back to Pentecost Pentecost is going to erupt why I'm preaching today don't get weary and well doing don't sing church keep your prayer on keep your praise on it's Pentecost and we're going to rejoice in Pentecost okay please stand now please stand with me please stand okay this helps me just whatever you guys were doing over there just give us a little little musical anytime there you go, there you go, there you go. That's what I love. Because there's a little missing part in Acts chapter 2. We, we got verse 38. We got verses 1 through 4, you know, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, one place, suddenly came sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting there, appeared to them, cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost band and speaking tongues. And that, what, what happened then? They all came and they wondered, what, what are all these men, Galileans, which speak? How hear we every man our own tongue where we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Jerusalem, Mesopotamia, parts of Phyllis, Phrygia and Camphylia and parts of Cyrene. We hear them speak. Here's the wonderful thing. Watch verse 11, Acts chapter 2, verse 11. They said, we're hearing them speak in our own tongue. Here's the little missing part that everybody misses. We do them here speak in our own tongues. What? What do they hear them speak? They heard them speak. Here's the word. The wonderful works of God. In the time of trouble, 
in the time of transition and when the Holy Ghost was poured out he did not pour out a negative spirit he did not pour out a downer spirit he did not pour out something that would depress you he poured out something that when you speak it will come out to be the wonderful works of God Pentecost is the wonderful works of God the Holy Ghost